Fantastic. Why don't you get, turn around and give the person beside you a big kiss or, or a shake of the hand if that's inappropriate. Or a punch in the arm. I'm just trying to help the single people out. It's like a community service sort of thing in church. What a fantastic day uh, in church today. You guys have got something awesome happening here. I don't, I don't know if you know how good you've got it. How many people love your church and love what God's doing here? And it's uh, pretty amazing, really, all the campuses. And I got to sit with your pastor last night, and Sam and I just, we had dinner, and we were able to go over just some of the stuff that Equippers is doing. It's pretty amazing. It's really, really quite amazing uh, the impact this church is having. But if you consider New Zealand as a nation, it's quite amazing the impact New Zealand has had on Christianity all, all around the world. It's just been like years of us sending people out or launching things and I, I just think it's amazing and, and then what's happening in the country today is just brilliant. I, I started, I pioneered uh, South City Christian Life Centre in uh, January of 1989 is when I moved out as a young lad just in nappies and uh, and had a go with a couple of friends and, and saw God do some pretty amazing things and ran Youth Alive in New Zealand for, for many years. And uh, uh, what, what, from what we have today to back then is just spectacular of what God is doing. And so I think it's an exciting day. If you're a young person, it's an unbelievably exciting day to be in the house of God, serving God, and, and you're a part of a great church. Hey, hey, why don't you grab your Bible with me, Ephesians chapter 1. So pretty much we're in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1. And so if you have a U version, you just all you need to do is swipe right, and you can be in chapter 1. And that's probably the only time that swiping right is actually legit. So I don't want you to go into your work tomorrow witnessing people. Oh, you got to swipe right last night in church. And it's a Christian thing to do. It's cool. Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 1. Wayne and Libya, you're just amazing people. Just amazing people. I was thinking about you this afternoon praying for you guys. And, and two words came. This was a beautiful legends. I think that pretty much describes you. You're just a beautiful couple. You're just beautiful people. You've got the most sweet, amazing spirit. And, and you're legends. You're New Zealand. You're just New Zealand gold. We love you and appreciate you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying what you're building right now is, is, is going to go wider and higher. It's going to wider and, and higher. Wider in New Zealand, higher. It's going to have influence around the world. And I saw that you're about two or three layers up, like in building, but there's many more layers to go. It's like, there's, there's, it's not like, you're not even close to being anywhere near what this is going to look like. And, and, and it will go beyond you. You're, you're building beyond you. What, what you're building will build beyond you. Uh, but, but what God's calling you to do is to go at it with as much faith and prayer and dreaming as, as possible. Because you're going to create a new normal for the next generation. And when they take it after you, when they, and it's a long way away yet, when they take it after you, what they'll do is gonna be mind blowing. But you're, you're setting a platform right now that's wide and, and high. And I just, think, I just think Jesus really likes you. I think, I think Jesus just looks at you guys and is like, in heaven's like, they're pretty cool, they're just really cool. They're very cool. 
cooler than John Morgan. And, and the angel Gabriel's like, no, it can't be. And <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Tonight, I'm going to speak just briefly on the subject I've simply titled, Starbucks Lovers. Not necessarily an endorsement of the brand. We know that the Bible says that real friends don't let friends drink Starbucks, but it's, it's, just, it's just a title of a message. But before we get into that, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it's alive, powerful, active, often reads us more than we read it. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's alive. And I pray, God, tonight that your word would be alive in this place. I pray for every man and woman that came to church. Your word declares that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And they could have been doing so many other things tonight, but they're in your house. And so I pray tonight, God, that they would leave better when they go out than when they came in. Work with us tonight. Work with me to hear your prophetic whisper that it wouldn't be just another message on another Sunday. Work with the people that are here tonight that they'd be able to have the ears to hear what you were saying to them individually. More than anything, God, tonight I pray, oh Jesus, help me not to be boring. And I pray for the people that are here tonight that you would help them not to be boring either because that's always really horrible in Jesus' name. And everyone said... How many of you have ever been in the spot where you were convinced that you were correct only to find out that you were horribly wrong? Anybody ever been in that spot? Uh, I have three daughters. Uh, Shreya's my eldest, Uh, Chloe's my middle daughter, and Brooke's the baby. She's 18, and her job in life is to rule and reign my world. And so the two eldest daughters live in Seattle. My youngest daughter lives in Chicago. And uh, I just love hang with my girls. And I've always sort of wanted to be a cool dad. My dad uh, loved me uh, and, and was a good dad. But I don't ever once ever recall, think, uh, looked at my dad and thought, wow, you're cool. Not once. And so I want to be, be a loving dad. But I've sort of got this desire with, with three beautiful, I want to be still like cool dad, as long as like, you know, just try. And, and so I'm always trying to find that moment where I can influence my, my coolnessness. And so it wasn't that long ago that Brooke and I were traveling down to Indiana and we we're on the freeway in the car. Will you do the 
she's looking at me. I'm feeling pretty good. Loving the jam, loving the music, you know. I look over. Gotta love the Starbucks lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. I got a blank space, baby. And I'll write your name. And right at that point, I gotta admit, I was feeling pretty fly for a white guy. And she looked over at me as I was looking at her. And she wasn't looking at me like I thought, like she didn't have your cool dad look. She had the look that I gave my dad when my dad thought he was cool and was missing it by a long shot. So I said to her, what? And she goes, dad, you know they're not the words of the song. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the song, obviously, they are. And I said, they are the words of the song, baby. She goes, no, they're not the words of the song, Dad. I said, sweetheart, I'm a youth communicator. <laughs> it's what I do for a living. It's the words of the song. She goes, no, Dad, it's not the words of the song. I said, what do you think the words are? And she says, Dad, the, the words of the song are, I've got a long list of ex-lovers. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Because I, I, I hadn't seen the video, but in my head, the video had already played out. Just a young couple down at a local Starbucks with a grande caramel frappuccino, extra drizzle, extra whip, and two straws popping out of the top, that they were sharing the same frappuccino together, looking lovingly into each other's eyes, and there on the blank space of the cup was his name. John. She said, no, Dad, the lines of the song is long list of ex-lovers. I said, sweetheart, even if the cup is a vente, there's not enough room there for a long list. Maybe a couple of lovers, maybe three or four ex-lovers, but definitely not a long list of ex-lovers. I think you're wrong and I'm definitely Right, and so we do what every family does right now when they want to solve a dispute. We went to Google, yeah. And I realized I am my dad. <laughs> I was wrong, I missed it by a long shot. Here's the amazing thing though. Once she told me that and once I saw that, any other time I've heard the song, I've never heard that line, Starbucks lovers ever again. It's this principle, you don't see it until you see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, and then you tend to see it everywhere. I, I, I got a car uh, once, a new car, it was an XR Ford, and, and I'm not a car lover or even a car expert. I can barely put gasoline into the car. And so, uh, and, but, but it was a nice car. And so, but what I was amazed at was when I drove it on the motorway, how many other people had been inspired by my purchase and gone out and got the exact same car. Have you ever had that experience? It's like you never saw that car on the road until you got it. And then when you got it, you tend to see it everywhere. Why? Because you don't see it till you see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And then you tend to see it everywhere. This past Christmas, my, my wife wanted a brand new iPhone, so I went downtown Chicago to get her an iPhone. I went to the, the local Verizon store and parked at a little, uh, little mall, 
uh, little strip mall across the road from the Verizon store, walked, got, got the phone and, and came back. And when I got back to my car, there was a large yellow clamp on the front left-hand tire of my vehicle. And, and I looked up and they're standing in front of the car is Clamp Man. And he said, sir, is this your car? I'm like, yeah, is, is that your clamp? And he's like, yes, it is. I'm like, why has it arrived on my front wheel? He says, sir, because in this parking lot, if you leave the lot to go to another shopping center, we clamp your tire. And I said, how much is it to get it off? He's like, it's $140. I'm thinking, I could drive with that on. <laughs> Makes a little bit of a fud, just turn the radio up, yeah? So then I said, so then I said to him, I said, it would be actually understandable and fair if, if you had signs that told us that that would happen. He says, well, sir, we do. And I said, well, sir, where are they? He said, well, sir, right in front of you. And I do that, and there it is, right in front of where I parked, this sign against the wall, do not leave lot or we will clamp your tire. And then magically, there's like every few feet they appeared down this wall. And so, so I said to him, well, they're sort of recessed against the shop wall. You've got all these poles out here. I think it would be fairer if you move them off the wall where they're hard to see and you put them on these poles out here where they were easy to see, that would be fair. And he said, well, sir, while that may be true, you did walk past a rather large one on your way out of the lot to the Verizon store. And I turned. The sucker was huge. It's like this massive, like 10 foot, by 10 foot sign that's like, do not leave lot or we will clamp your tire with a picture of a tire and a clamp and clamp man with his tail and his pitchfork and his horns just <laughs> laughing over your car. And it was an amazing thing. I saw them all over the parking lot at that point. Why? Because you don't tend to see it till you see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it and then you see it everywhere. The Bible calls that the principle of revelation. Now, now, now Paul, who is writing to the Ephesian church, doesn't show up on the Bible narrative in church. If there's anybody that really understood this principle, it's the Apostle Paul. Because when he shows up on the Bible narrative, he's not in here doing church with us. He's not in the front jumping around doing all these things. He, he, he's not singing, he's not excited about, he's out in the parking lot looking for your car, putting like scratch marks down the side. He's, he's the person that, that sets out to make your life as bad, as much hell as he can possibly make it. He hates Christians, he hates the church. He's that person at work that they just wait for you to do something wrong and they're like, oh, I thought you were a Christian. He's that guy. He's not, he's not a lover of the house of God. But then one day he has an encounter with Jesus that radically changes his life forever. It's like he didn't see him until he saw him. Once he saw him, he couldn't unsee him. And then he saw him everywhere. And it was a game changer. Paul understands 
that life changes through the power of revelation. And so it's understandable that when he prays for this church, that his prayer is a prayer of revelation. Look what he says here in verse 15. Therefore, I also, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of him, and that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Now, this prayer would make absolute sense if it was written to unsaved people. But what he's actually writing to is, is us, the church. He said, I heard of your faith and, and, and your fellowship with each other. In other, in other words, you, you don't just love God, but you are plugged in. You're not just a worshiper, but you are a worshiper who is contributing in, in the life of the church. You're connected in Christian community. You're volunteering on a team. You bring friends along to church. You're contributing financially. You are fully invested of your life in this thing called the church. And when I, when I hear about your life as a Christian, it motivates me. And so I pray for you. And, and it's interesting to me that Paul's prayer is, God, I want you to open their eyes in ways that they've never seen things before. I want you to give them revelation of stuff that they've never had before. He prays for us that we would experience this wonderful thing called the revelation. Paul understands that through revelation, everything changes. That true, true Christian transformation doesn't happen out of legislation. It happens out of revelation. Paul understands how much his life changed with one moment of seeing Jesus. And so he's praying for us to have a lifestyle of moments that see Jesus so you and I can be consistently changed from the inside out, from glory to glory to be more like him. Paul understands this. Paul understands that you can't really see him based on another man's understanding. Jesus was with the disciples and he asked them this question. He's like, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they all gave an opinion. Uh, we think Elijah, somebody thinks Jeremiah, uh, somebody thinks John the Baptist. One of the guys is like, or, or one of the prophets. It's my favorite answer. That's the guy that had no clue. <laughs> I don't know. One of the prophets. There was a stack, you're bound to be one. He, like, he, like, like, it'd be this cool. Could you imagine how well you do at exams this year? if all one of that was an answer. Like what's the square root of 4,294? Um, one of the numbers? <laughs> There's a lot. Bound to find one that works, chuck it in. You know, a plus. Who discovered Australia? I don't know, Christopher Columbus, Captain Cook, maybe Dora or one of the explorers. I, I don't, chuck A plus. So this guy, and so, and then Jesus turned around and goes, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You've got to understand, this is not something he premeditated. This wasn't something that he ha had written down somewhere. It, it, this is something that's happening right at that moment. His eyes are opening up. He's getting a spiritual understanding of Jesus that he never got out of the conversations with everybody else. 
Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood people haven't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed. The eyes of your understanding have, have been opened. You are, you are getting revelation right now. And he says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Then he says that, that that foundation that he builds his church will be so strong that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. In other words, this is an advancing church. This is a moving church. This is a strong church. He says, Peter, the power of your Christianity is going to be released with your ability to have a revelation of my presence through your own revelation, not based on the words of somebody else. Paul also understood that you can't really see Jesus clearly if you, if you get yourself lost in all the cool stuff. Peter, James and John were on a mountain with Jesus and he was transfigured, hologram. Elijah and Moses showed up. This is pretty cool. And so Peter, he, he just so blown away by the moment. He's just like, this is awesome. Let's build some tabernacles. Let's just stay here. This is unbelievable. And, 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 and he's, he's dialoguing. The Bible says that the glory of God had to come and overshadow him until he saw no one but Jesus. In other words, in this wow moment, Peter started losing the plot of what it was all about. And he was getting lost in the moment, the, the, the coolness of the moment, and, and he started to lose focus of Jesus and focus more on the moment. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for three days in a moment. They were in a festival, they were in a celebration, they're hanging out with friends. They're party mode. They're woohoo! They're just you know, and and, and they lost. G I got to be honest with you. I have massive ADHD, and I'm always losing stuff. And it used to frustrate me. I lost my glasses once for 20 minutes and found them on my face. And I'm losing keys. I lose my wallet. I just always. And I used to get so angry at myself until I found out that that God gave the responsibility of parents of saviour of the world to ADHD people because you, you have to have ADHD to lose the saviour of the planet for three days. I can at least pray to God when I lose my keys. Who do you pray to when you lose God for three days? But they lost him in the festivity. It was so cool, it was so amazing. And, and here's the deal, if you, get, you can get lost in the cool stuff. Well, let's just be real. Church is pretty cool today. Like it's amazing today. I, I love church, the music. Like this guy up here tonight doing this thing. And just, he was just, and I'm thinking, he just looks cool. When I got saved, we didn't have a cool keyboard player. like Auntie Enid just like ding, 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 ding. It's just awful. The praise and worship tonight was spectacular. When I became a Christian, it was not spectacular. It was barely tacular. It was horrible. They used to have this one song, Praise God It's Gone. It was, it, the words were, joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Then it went into deeper lyrics, the castle of my heart. It's so awesome, we said it again, the castle of my heart. Now, now as a man, I just gotta be honest with you. I've never, I've never thought of my heart 
like if people are, how happy are you? I've never thought to myself, well, let me think about how happy I am. <laughs> when I think about it, I think of my heart like a really big castle. <laughs> and all I see on the top of it is like these flags and they're just like <laughs> in the wind. That's how happy I am. It's like a flag flying high from the castle of my heart. And then the chorus was, let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world know. And that was, that was, that was the, 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 the indicator for all the white people. Because let's be real, any song with a lyric in it was written by somebody for white people. Black people don't need information on how to dance, they just dance naturally. White people, we, any, to the left, to the left, to the left, that's there for white people. If it wasn't, they'd be like. So at that point, let it fly, people would break out their handkerchiefs. Wouldn't matter, it could be right smack bang in the middle of flu season and they're just like. Oh, it's terrible. And, and, and we never had this. Look at this. It's a cool, cool, like, screen and stuff like that. We had the overhead projector <laughs> with a bit of plastic where they write the words by hand. Sometimes the OHP director, which was their ministry, OHP director, they, they put the words upside down and back to front. And we're all thinking we're singing in tongues, but we're just singing in English, upside down, back to front. This is terrible. And church went on forever. <laughs> Services were long. Oh, my three, four hours, and they weren't good. One of the worst things I used to hate was Sunday night testimonies. That was like, like you just start stabbing your face, yourself in the face with a fork. Because the testimony, the testimony would be something like the guy's supposed to get up and go, um, I like to praise the Lord. I was unemployed. Jesus gave me a job. That's it. That's the testimony. That's all we need to hear from you. Oh, no. Oh, is that easy? They get the... Well, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> you never wanted to hear those words. Those are like, buckle in, we're going to be here for a while, pal. I don't know where to even begin. Um, my, 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 my mother met my father at a dance. Like 45 minutes later, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I was unemployed and she just gave me a job, hallelujah. <laughs> we do communion every Sunday, and while that was okay to do communion every Sunday, again, it was like another mini message. And, and, and it was like real bread, not, it was like little bits of bread that somebody had cut up and they'd give you a bit of bread. And then the person doing communion talked for 35, 40 minutes. And so you're just sitting there, you'd roll the bread up. <laughs> it was the original fidget spinner. And, and you'd just be rolling the bread up like this, you know? And then by the end of they'd done their meds, take the communion, it was just like a little sweat ball of dough. And then every now and then you'd hear these horrible words. Tonight, let's swap communion with the person beside us. It was terrible. So church is great today. We've got great praise and worship. We've got all sorts of digital stuff. It's cool. But, but, but if you just come because it's cool, you miss the plot. 
Because it doesn't matter if it's cool or uncool, the whole thing is, can you find Jesus in it? And so Paul is praying, I hope you don't get lost in the cool. I hope that you just just come in because you like the music or you like some people or there's a girl that you like or a guy. I, I, he said, I pray that when you're here that you're going to get your own personal, personal encounter with the presence and the reality of Jesus Christ. Because Paul understands this, that you can't really see him without being changed by him. Look, look what he writes here. He says there in verse 18, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? What, what, what's he saying? He's saying, I, I pray that you know him. Now, now, I know that you know him, but there's a level of knowing him that you don't know yet. And unfortunately, you can't know what you don't know. And when you don't know that you don't know it, you can't know that you need to know it. And so I'm praying that you'll get to know what you don't know. And you'll be like, oh, wow, now I know what I didn't know. I'm glad I know that now because I didn't know that before. And he says, I pray that you'd have increasing levels of knowing what you don't know and knowing him in greater dimensions. Pretty much in a nutshell, that was what he's saying. He said, I pray that your eyes would just come alive and that you would see him in ways that you've never seen him before. Because he understands this, when your revelation is based on somebody else's revelation, then your Christian behavior will be based on what they model. So when it's not your revelation, it's somebody else's revelation, then you will look at their behavior and even some religions legislate that. This is what qualifies you to be a part of this church. How you dress, how you talk, how you, what music you listen to. They legislate behavior like, like it makes you a Christian. And so when it's not your own revelation, you're going you're gonna to do it based on what you see somebody else do. And, and most of the time for us, that's sort of what happens when we get saved. When, when, when we get saved, pretty much most of our understanding is based on someone else's understanding. And so we, we, we change things based on traditional, expected Christian behavior. They make us Christian. So we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't do drugs, we don't sleep around, we, we, don't, we don't cuss, and we speak Christianese. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. You just come out with random stuff like that. You just bust out amen when it doesn't even make sense, amen. Sometimes we even bust out the double amen, which is an amen with power, amen, amen, and amen. There's no amen greater than that, amen, amen. We have our own Christian little cliches like, hello, brother. It's Christian for, a, I don't know your name. Probably should, but I forgot. We don't even say no as Christians. Christians don't say no. Ask a Christian to do something like, like no. Because it's rude. We'll say something like, oh, I would, but that's not really my call. <laughs> I don't feel led. Or, or my favorite Christian no is, oh, let me pray about that. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> Such a scam, you know, praying about squat. So when, when your revelation is based on somebody else's, then you tend to change it by, with external things. And I would suggest to you that they're the easiest things to change. Now, if you're new to church and you're trying to quit smoking, you're like, dude, 
It's not easy. You know, I get that it's not easy, but it's the easiest. I used to smoke two packets of cigarettes a day. And so I wouldn't say that quitting smoking was easy, but out of some of the things I've needed to change in me, it was the easiest. Getting drunk, I drank all the time. And so not going out to drink, I wouldn't say stopping doing that was easy, but it was one of the easiest things I needed to change. Paul understood when your, when your Christianity is based on the moment, the wow, the service, then your Christianity will be limited to the moment. Be really good on Sunday. Like you're on fire on Sunday. Hallelujah. Just coming to church and woo! Walk out Monday, you just live in hell the rest of the week. He understands when, it, when it's about the event, then you become really good at performing in the event, but not really great living it outside the event. So Paul is praying, he says, I, I, I'm praying that you get this revelation. He says, I know how it changed me and I, and I want it to change you just like that. If you can see him, you can be changed by him. A, a, a revelation of Jesus is a life changer. Some years ago, I was uh, speaking in Houston, one of my first trips to America. We'd landed late on the Saturday, went to bed late. And uh, sorry, Friday, and on the Saturday, we're all charging off to the mall. But it was no ordinary mall. It was the Galleria. It's called the Galleria because it's an expensive mall. Now, at that point, I was living in a house in Manurewa, Francis Street, Manurewa. And uh, I was an honorary citizen of South Auckland. And <laughs> so I was shopping at the Manukau Mall. Now I'm in the Galleria. So in a hurry to get dressed, I just threw a shirt on, charged off to the mall. And what I noticed was the snooty people behind the counter would look at me and make a decision. He has no money, he's not going to buy anything. And agitated the fire out of me. Now one shop, I, one shop I got, I got it. Like, not every shop, one shop. Like I walked up in this one shop. I was like, hey, g'day, mate. Um, how much is that Visaki tie? He's like, it's not Versace, it's Versace. <laughs> so you're saying that's not Prada and that's not Gucky? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not saying where I used to shop for my clothes, but there everyone gets a bargain. And, <laughs> and so I, I, I said to the guy, well, how much is he? He's like $150. $150, no, it's $250 for the tie. I don't even have a suit. That was worth $250 back then. And so I'm like, 250, I just want a tie, man. I don't want shares in the company. And so I, I, left, I left that store. But every store treated me like that. I was getting aggravated. I'm like, you don't know me. Maybe I've got a lot of money. You just, just don't judge me. I was just ticked off, you know. And uh, anyway, there's this one store I decided I like the shirt. I'm going to try it on. And so I took the shirt into the, the change room. And I looked at myself in the mirror. What I hadn't realized is I'd thrown the shirt on from the night before, forgetting that the night before I'd spilt coffee all the way down my shirt. And it didn't look like my mother had tie-dyed it. It looked like I got up in the morning and put a dirty shirt on with a coffee stain. I just looked terrible. And my good friends that I was traveling with decided not to tell me because they thought it was funny that I didn't see it. 
And so I was able to change my shirt and it changed the way everybody treated me. But I was carrying a stain that I couldn't even see until I saw myself in the reflection of the mirror. In essence, this is the life change that Paul is talking about. He says, I, I pray that you would see him because you're created in his image. And when you see your image in a reflection of his image, then you'll realize how far you're missing the mark. The Bible calls that sin. You'll, you'll find out how far, and, and you'll start to see stains in your life that you've never seen before. Things that, that, that you may not even know you've got, like bitterness and anger and resentment and hurt and disappointment and fear and embarrassment and shame. Stains that are on your life that actually cause you to do life the way you do it and therefore causing people to treat you the way that they treat you. It, it may be some of the biggest things that you are struggling with today are stains that you've carried for a long time. It's not that you're a bad person. My stained shirt didn't make me a bad person. It just made me a stained person. And the beautiful thing about the stain was I could change the stain. The beautiful thing about seeing your stain in the presence of God is God gives us the power to change the stain. But you don't even need, know you need to change your shirt until you can see yourself in a reflection of Jesus. And Paul's saying, I didn't know I needed to change me. I didn't, need, I didn't know that my lifestyle was wrong until I had a power encounter with Jesus. And then when I saw him, I saw myself. And when I saw myself, I realized how far away I was from him. Job described it like this. Job said, I, I, I heard of you by the hearing of my ear. But now my eye sees you. And I abhor myself and I repent. I heard what everyone else preached about you. I heard of you by, I sat in the preaching, but now my eyes saw you. I, I went out of somebody else's understanding and I got my own personal revelation of who you were. And when I saw you, I saw myself and I, I, I hated what I saw. I, I saw the stain. And I was embarrassed by the stain. And I, and I wanted to change. I repent. I changed direction. I changed the stain. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was high. He was lifted up. And his train filled the temple. He said, I saw angels with six wings. Two over their face, two over the legs, and two they're flying. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm having this massive God encounter moment. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, I, I saw the Lord. I, I had this massive God encounter moment. And then he said, and, 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 and I came undone. Let me paraphrase it for you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And when I, when I saw the Lord, I saw myself. And when I saw myself... I nearly died. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I, I saw the Lord high, lifted up train, filled the temple. And, and when I saw that, I, I came undone because I realized that I am a man of unclean lips. He said, I never saw that before. I've been walking around with, with unclean lips. 
I realized at that point when I saw God, I'm a gossiper. When I, when I saw myself, I realized, man, I'm a, I'm a critical person. When, when I saw the Lord, I saw myself and I realized I am over-opinionated and I've got an opinion on everything. When, when, I, when I saw the Lord, I saw myself and I realized I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I realized that what I post, on my Facebook page, on my Instagram page, that my, my social media is very negative. I, I realize that I'm, I'm quick to pull somebody else down. I'm, I, I'm, I'm quick to jump on negativity. I, I realize I, I'm quick to grab gossip. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and when I saw the Lord, I saw myself, and when I saw myself, I realized I, I have horrible conversation. I've always got the latest rumor on somebody else. I've always got something bad to say about somebody. I, I, I'll leave church and rather than celebrating the good moments, I, I'll be able to find all the little things I didn't like. And I'll have no hesitation in sitting at the table and sitting with my friends because I realise that I hang around with friends with unclean lips. He said, I've developed this whole social network of, of negative people, of cynical people. Here's a guy who says, I didn't realise that my conversation was so off-center until I saw the Lord and I saw myself. And I realized how far away I was from the image in front of me. No one legislated that. No one told him not to do that. Even though the Old Testament is full of scriptures about that. But it wasn't until he saw himself and saw how far he missed the mark that he realized he missed the mark. And then the angel was able to come with a coal in the presence of God and touch his lips. God didn't beat him up, God didn't criticize him, God just healed him and made him better. And made him one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, the man that prophesied Messiah. We are only one God encounter away from supernatural change. We're only one God encounter away. That's, that's why the presence of God is so valuable. It's not just for the goosebumps. It's not just for the warm fuzzies. But a pursuit of the presence of God is, is vital if we want to continue to be changed day by day into the image of God. Every one of you here tonight, we're all in a different spot. Yet, we're all amazing. When, when God sees us, He tends to see us of what we can be. But the reality is, from where we are today to what we can be, there's a lot of changing of stains that needs to happen. That nine times out of ten, somebody can't tell you about that. Because if you've got the stain of rebellion and somebody tells you, you're going to rebel. If you've got the stain of bitterness and somebody tells you you've got it, you're going to get bitter and angry. You're going to be resentful. You'll push back. If you've got the stain of rebellion and someone tries to correct you, you won't say, thank you, I need that. You'll leave and you'll go to another church. So much of Christianity today walks around with our stains and we wander from church to church just taking our stain with us. Never getting locked down in one place 
and chasing the presence and realizing, yeah, God loves me just as I am, but there are things in me that consistently need to change. And the only way that you'll know that is by being in His presence. Worship for us is not an optional extra. It's an absolute necessity. Spending time in God's presence is not an optional extra. It's an absolute necessity. And I would suggest to you that those presence moments in church on Sunday are good. Those presence moments on Sundays are are teaching moments to help us get there and build our sensitivity. But if your chasing of His presence only happens in a Sunday service, then you're gonna miss so much of Him. You've You've gotta develop a lifestyle of chasing Him. You've got to develop a lifestyle of of, of being still and knowing that He is God. You've got to develop a lifestyle of getting on your own, getting some worship music on and shutting the door and turning your phone off and locking everybody else out and just chasing after the presence of God. You've got to develop a lifestyle of being your own worshipper where you just get into God's presence and you're reaching out and saying, come on God, sweep over me. I've had some unbelievably spectacular God moments in church, and I love them. But there's something spectacular about just being at home alone with no one else there and the glory of God filling the room. And your, your, your Bible is leaping off the page and smacking you in the face with things that you've never seen before. Young people, listen to me. There's an experience that you can have, you may have already had it, where you can read a passage of Scripture and it just leaps out so powerfully that you think to yourself, did somebody just put that in there? I swear I read that before and that wasn't there. But what is that? That's that's God revealing Himself through the Word of God to you. I want to encourage you, if you want to really be the you that God created you to be, it begins by chasing the God that He is and getting into His presence and taking time. Say, come on, God, saturate me, saturate me with His Spirit. Why don't we, by faith right now, just stand right across this building as the team just leads us in a song of worship. And let's just close our eyes for a moment right now. And All over this building with eyes closed, just start to lift your hands and start to, to worship and reach out to God. Come on, lead us in song. Let us become more aware of Your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Come on, lift your voices right now.
is speaking to me about, about you guys standing here. And I know there are, uh, <coughs> there are some of the team that's in the crowd tonight and they're not on the stage, but this applies to you if you're a part of this team. Felt that like the Holy Spirit wanted me to, to remind you, to re reinforce to you that you are prophets of change, that you are prophets of supernatural change, that you are, you are, you are controlling you are controlling the, 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 the atmosphere, the glory in, in the room. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me that, that keep pursuing the talent and keep pursuing the excellent because you shouldn't sacrifice that for anything. But, but when you stand on the stage, when, 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 you, when, when the words are leaving your mouth, that the Holy Spirit wants you to develop a sensitivity to the fact that it's not just about getting people to sing and it's not about just filling the atmosphere with song, but, but what is leaving you is a, is a spiritual release. God, God wants you to stand here releasing faith in the Spirit that as the atmosphere is filled with the glory of God, as the presence of God fills the place, that lives are going to be changed. That, that as, you, as you prophesy out, people are going to be actually physically healed in their body. That, that people are going to be physically healed or, or, or healed in their emotions. That, that people have struggled with the stain of, 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 of illness in their mind for years are going to have that supernaturally healed as you create, as you create presence, as you create atmosphere, as you create the anointing. And, 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 and the Spirit of God would, would say to you tonight, come every week with that hunger. Never come and, and do a duty. Never, never come because you're on the roster. Don't, don't stand on the stage because somebody put your name down that you're singing tonight. That God wants you to walk in, if your name's down, that God wants you to walk in with an awareness that you are bringing presence, you're bringing, you're bringing power, you're bringing change into people's lives. And that reciprocates back to you guys on the instruments. That the Lord would say to you, it's not just about filling music so these guys can sing. And, and, and it's not that they have the most important, that you are, you are prophets of change. You are prophets of, of, of the supernatural. And that when, when, you, when you play your instrument, to be aware of the anointing of God on you and, and, and enter a worship moment, still play with excellence, still play with proficiency. But, but the Spirit of God would say to you that He wants you to be overwhelmingly aware that right now what you're doing is not just playing a song, but you are, you are lifting people into the presence of God. And God says to... to to, to come in and elevate people into His presence, to release the glory of God. Father, I pray for these musicians that are on the stage right now. Lord God, and I pray for every team member that may be in the congregation tonight or, or out of the building tonight, wherever they're at. Lord God, that on this church, Lord God, on this stage, Lord God, on these men and women would become a, 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 an incredible sensitivity to Your glory, an incredible sensitivity to Your power. Lord God, that it would be day, week by week, song by song, moment by moment. Lord God, let me feel your glory in Jesus' name. Let And Lord would say to you when you write, don't write with the intention of something going around the world. Write with the intention of something going direct to the heart. 
right with the intention of a life being changed. And God says, do not wait or, 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 or rely on, on what you know the thousands will do, but write in a way that will impact and change the life of one. Because as you change the life of one, as it changes it from the inside out, know this says the Lord that that shall reciprocate itself in other people. spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of our understanding. Oh, we desire your presence.
reach out. The Holy Spirit's working in this room. He's revealing stuff He only can reveal by His Spirit. Come on, just reach out. Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to encounter You fresh. We long for
don't miss this moment right now. I don't want you to miss it. Come on. Come on, you and we need fresh encounters with Jesus. Fresh encounters. The Holy Spirit's just moving right now. Just this anointing. I can sense this anointing in this room. From the back to the front. Doesn't matter where you are. Let the Spirit of God locate you. There's nothing like being in your presence. 